Welcome to the first episode of Demol Belchi South Africa recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone, and join me as always is the Canadian who is regularly advised to just breathe and hold his thumb in his hand whenever he sees this season, Logan Saunders. Good evening. Good evening. I am so excited that we finally, after six and a bit years, nearly seven years, get to talk about this season properly. Because we never talk about South Africa for some reason. It's the black sheep of the Mole family. We've never discussed anything about this season ever to anyone. It's really weird. Has it really been six years since it aired? No, it's six years since we started podcasting, though. Oh, I see. I get you now. I was like, uh, I'm counting the number of seasons, Michael, for Belgian Mole, and that doesn't quite add up. (laughs) By the time that this actually comes out, it will be nearly seven years since we started the podcast. That's a long time for us to be chatting about Derek Mayo and whoever else. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot that it was the anniversary of Derek Mayo this week. I know this horrendously dates the podcast already, but Derek Mayo and the Condiment Kids is one of my favourite Amazing Race Canada recaps we ever did, purely because of how insane the actual episode we talked about was. That's the one with Johnny Mustard, right? It took me, like, when you mentioned that, I'm like, why the hell did I come up with a character named Derek Mayo? And then I connected, and then it took me, like, I don't know, two, three, four days. And I realized, oh, oh, yes, Team Giver. Screw them. Yeah, that was the one where the network actually told everyone where they were going to be three days in advance. And conveniently, someone's family member who uh, lived there helped that team. Who'd have thought that was going to happen? Yeah, well, that team needed a bit more help after the after the race, unfortunately. But yeah, it's really weird. We never actually mention anything about Demol Belgi South Africa for some reason. It just has never come up in any of our mole podcasts ever. Yeah, we never talk about, I don't know, people being intoxicated in a museum. We've definitely never talked about playing Scrabble against Jills or the defensive ostriches or being stuck in a lion cage or, or booba we've never mentioned booba once or or davy especially davy just to put some context into this i've watched the first three episodes again logan has only watched the premiere i know what's coming far more than logan does and the first three episodes of this season are for want of a better term amazing and one of the best starts to a season ever i'd always remembered this season as really kind of Gearing up from episode three, which is the one with the drunken museum heist. Holy shit, it starts good. Yes, I. And what's funny is I forgot about how the whole red button challenge at the very beginning of the season starts out. Yeah, I remembered the red button challenge. I couldn't remember much, much else of the premiere. Basically, episode two, I never remembered being that good. But then, as I tweeted a few weeks ago, I've just watched episode two, and oh my god, it has three amazing challenges in it. One has the lion cage puzzle, right? And the. Uh, and Shosaloza, yeah. So it's like the season really starts with episode two. Yeah, and then episode three is the Drunk Museum Heist, which is a shocker to anyone who's ever listened to a mole podcast we've done. One of my favorite episodes ever. And what's funny is we'll get into the cast in a minute is that. Because we've met a chunk of the cast too at the, at the Vietnam finale party there. And it's like, yep, I know who that is. I know who that is. And then there's one contestant, Jessica, where I'm like, I have no memory of Jessica. Gee, I wonder who's going to go by the end of this first episode. It's funny you say that, because I don't know whether you saw my message a few weeks ago where I went, I can genuinely remember nine of these 11 people. I have no recollection of either of the first two boots from this season, (laughs) which is hilariously fun, especially Jessica, like, 
I follow Jess on Instagram purely because I thought she was involved in the production of the show. (laughs) 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 And that is hand on heart the truth. I thought, because obviously I follow a lot of the South Africa cast because it's my favourite season. Um, I... I've obviously seen her in pictures with them all, and I'm like, why is someone from production always hanging around? I'm just going to follow her anyway. And then when I started watching this episode, I went, oh shit, she's the 11th contestant. I forgot about her. <laughs> Out of curiosity, who was the other contestant you forgot about? Well, it's it's the first person who goes in the double boot next week. Oh, I actually didn't really remember her either. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, uh... I'm I'm trying to keep this as spoiler free as possible, but yeah, it's the the person who who goes first in the double boot. Yeah, I didn't I didn't remember when I when she first popped up. I'm like, okay, now I kind of remember her, but Jessica is just she was the only one I grew from. Like, I have zero zero memory of her on the season. Like, if she if she wasn't in there, I would have genuinely been like, wait, does does Booba go home? <laughs> <laughs> I just had no clue and it's and then once I watch through the episode I'm I realize okay now I understand why I don't remember Jessica her personality well I guess we're jumping ahead to her execution let's get this out of the way now but uh she probably has the most emotional reaction I think I've seen of a contestant being executed I had no memory that she was just you know really really nervous to see her screen first of all B, how much she breaks down when she gets executed, and C, very, very surprised at the reactions of the other contestants, especially Davy. Davy was just crushed when, when she was executed. Yeah, we talk about First Boots a lot on our podcasts, understandably, because the premieres do tend to be one of the most important episodes, generally, of any show we cover. And obviously, with Ruth, Ruth is the pinnacle of first boots, probably her and Shala and Nabila. But you just look at the contrast between Ruth's execution and Jess's. Whereas if they had done a taxi uh, car bomb game for Jess, I think everyone probably would have tried their hardest to get her back because of how much they broke down when she went. Whereas obviously like three people tried for Ruth, if that yeah. And I'm thinking about the uh, I was pondering too, why why are other first boots so much more memorable than Jessica, even within the context of the Belgian Mall? And I was thinking back to the just the most recent uh, Greek Greece season when Jill's gets executed first. I'm thinking, well, Jill's had a lot of memorable moments. Uh, he had the whole incident with uh, Christian, and then uh, when he did press the buzzer for the game, he pressed it right at zero. Of course, he shares the name with the host. So he had his moments in there. And then you have Ruth with the car bomb. Yeah, and then you have Jessica, or even, uh, who was it, from the Mexico season? Kelly? Was that her name? I think it was. I think Kelly was her name, the one who gets executed, and then and then Joker gets the note to run out of the, run out of the arena. <laughs> and then who was Vietnam's first boot? Um... That was the one who was spreading her ashes, Lisbeth. Oh, yeah, yes, yes. Well, lies, Spre- yes. Spre- yeah. Spreading her husband's <laughs> ashes, sorry, not her ashes. <laughs> her ashes. <laughs> That'd be, yeah. 
So you think of all those contestants are a lot more memorable, and then here you have Jessica where it's like, I don't remember a single thing about her. I can tell you anything about, at least one thing about all the other first boots, but Jessica, it's like, uh, she's new to me. <laughs> For a first boot who had such big kind of impact on everyone else in the season, we have no recollection of it. And I, I laugh so hard that you say the same thing I do on that, because genuinely had no recollection of it. Well, you think about the whole mystery of the first episode was around Hans. That's the contrast. It's around somebody who you think was gone. They're all thinking, hmm, is Hans really gone? Why is there a Rivaderce Hans? Uh, why was Hans an option on the first quiz? So all you're doing is thinking about Hans at the end of the first episode. Jessica just becomes a ma- major, major footnote. Well, all most people were thinking about was Hans in the first episode. You were obviously thinking about Davy. <laughs> And Davey does, even does a duo thing with, does the, the kinky chain puzzle with with Jessica. You think I would remember that? Oh, believe me, we will get there. <laughs> so just some ground rules, as always. This is going to be reasonably spoiler-free as much as we can, apart from the seasons that we've already covered. So if you've not seen Argentina, Mexico, Greece, and Vietnam then, yes, we're going to be a little bit spoilery, as you may have guessed from, you know, listing the first boots just then. Um, Something also to be aware of is the fact that if I hadn't stepped in, Logan and Davey would have slept together in the uh, after the Vietnam finale. So, do you want to get your, I'm definitely in a relationship with a girl, uh, speech out the way, Logan, so that I can start teasing you for Davey? Uh, yes, I am definitely in a relationship with a female. We do intend upon getting married sometime in the future. Davy has no chance. He never did, and never will. Thank you. There are some themes to this season as well, in that the first and last challenges both involve pushing the button or not pushing the button. There's two luggage challenges, repacking 30k in this week's one, and then there is one where everyone could potentially lose their uh, luggage. The challenges are way more physical than any other season, between the running, the cycling, the heart rate challenge, and also my personal favourite of the themes, Bertrand and his complete inadequacy. There's a quote that's later on in the episode with Bertrand where he says, oh, I would hate to go first, because it means I was really, really deceived. (laughs) And I'm like, oh man, Bertrand, you wish, you wish you were first boot by the end of your journey in this game. If you have never seen this season, watch Bertrand. Far more than anyone else. Because Bertrand is wrong about everything. It's delightful. I don't think there's ever been a contestant that's been more wrong in their brief run on the mole. I think it's what makes it what makes it distinguished for Bertrand is because of what happens to him in the game. That, uh, he gets a chance that no one else gets to have. He gets a chance to, to really, really humiliate himself before his exit. But the best thing is, the editors have so much fun with Bertrand and being completely wrong. It's so fun. Whereas, <laughs> you, if, you, if you look at Mexico, Yoko was completely on the wrong track until she went home. But she never got the piss taken out of her as much as Bertrand did in this season. She's probably the, the biggest parallel I can think of in terms of being completely on the wrong track for so long. But she never, ever had the editors mock her like they mock Bertrand, which is really fun. Yeah, he gets a fun storyline. And he gets made fun of a lot. It starts in this episode, not just with editing about 
what happens to him in the future, but his performance and challenges also gets frequently made fun of. Yeah, that's what I mean. He is by far the punching back of the season, and it's brilliant. I guess I understood that too, because he has the personality of somebody who could take it in stride. Yeah, we've met Bertrand. I'm going to say this a lot. We've met quite a lot of people from this season. We've met Bertrand. He's lovely. However, when we saw him, we both basically thought, Bertrand, what an idiot, because of this season. The other thing that needs mentioning about this season is in a complete 180 from um, from the Argentina season, it's a season far more about the challenges than the people and the adventure than the people. It is a big contrast in the editing. Yeah, it's a season that puts far more weight into these are what we're making people do than these are the people doing these challenges. You won't get a baby Hitler conversation, for example, in this season. I think the other part of it, too, is that this cast gets along with each other really well for the most part. You don't get too many, you don't really get any major ugly fights or accusations. I think that's why last season was much more about the people, because there is extreme contrast in personalities. Here, this group is fairly easygoing and similar overall. Like, we'll get into some discussions on some disagreements, but it doesn't get anywhere near as ugly as, say, like Kathy versus Hannah for 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 everyone for most of the game, or like Jill's when he um, with the whole like pass fragging game, and when they put when some of them really put their foot down. But here it's like everyone's has has a lot cooler head, I should say. There isn't a, there isn't anyone who's gonna have a Kathy esque personality. Yeah, it's not to say that this cast is a bad one because a shocker. We like a lot of people in this cast, and if they ever did a hypothetical Belgian Mole All-Stars, you would like to see a lot of people from this cast come back. But it's far more adventurous than the Argentina season, and pretty much any other season. In the same way that we complained about how lackluster the final challenge was um, that the final three of Argentina had to do, you don't see that in this season. It's adventurous. And I think this is a good time to point this out, but since the season aired, both Michael and I have each individually gone to South Africa. Yeah, it's it's the one location that we've ever had from all season to talk about where both of us have been there. Haven't you been to Greece? No, I've never been to Greece. What? And the even more fun thing about this is the fact that in the first three episodes, I can pinpoint pretty much every location and have been to pretty much every location. It's very fun. Even the first one, they're like, we are an hour outside of Cape Town. Like, oh, so they go to Cape Town early on, which means Michael and I are going to be like, I know this place. I was near this. I was near that. (laughs) That will come into play very soon. (laughs) The final two things I've got to say before we actually start the episode proper. The average age of the season is 33.4, compared to 38.3 for Argentina, 37.7 for Mexico, 35.1 for Vietnam, and 34.6. So it's by far the youngest of the Belgian Mole seasons so far, even with Annalisa. And this season was also the final one before De Mole really broke through. Because if you contrast the finale numbers, this finale had like 34% market share, the Mexico one had 61 Jesus. It really spikes, and this was something I only noticed when I was looking through the, the cast list. I'm like, holy shit at those ratings, because it just balloons, and I don't know why. Plus the fact that we started podcasting with Mexico. 
Oh, well, yeah, that's the most important thing, obviously. That's where it really breaks through, is when it breaks through to the international market, even though, you know, people from the UK and the US were still watching the uh, the first two seasons. Just nobody podcasted about it until uh, until Mexico, which is where we come in. So we open with a car driving down a pitch black road. BMWs are parking outside everyone's homes. Everyone kisses their significant others goodbye. And we have our first canonical appearance by Logan as Davey says goodbye to him. Sam tries to speak to his driver, as do Annalise and Marcena. Robin is the first to spot that his isn't the only BMW. Eleven cars are driving in convoy in the middle of the night. As dawn breaks, they arrive at their destination, which is a hangar at an airport. In Antwerp. Yeah, we don't find that out yet, though. Oh, I spoiled it. Spoilers, Saunders. Damn it. (laughs) You're not allowed to spoil anything that's not been on the episode yet. Apart from the fact that, you know, we we discussed the fact that Bertrand is an absolute moron. (laughs) Gilles introduces us finally. Eleven Flemish strangers, one winner, and one mole. They're going to complete challenges to win money, with a maximum prize of over €100,000 going to the winner. But there's a saboteur who will try and keep money out of the pots. They are the mole. And as they enter the hangar, a video plays on the screens in front of them. A video of Jill overlooking Table Mountain. And in front of all of them is a plane which is ready to leave, but there's a problem. The mole is played with ten people, and there are eleven cars. And in this first assignment, they can guarantee that everyone will get to play. I wish there was one season where they had a twist where it was 10 Flemish people and one Wallonian. Oof. I wish that they would have a twist where it was nine Flemish people and one Brit. And one Wallonian. See who gets ridiculed more. No, what? just me. I don't, I don't care about anyone else. Oh. Just me. I just want to play. <laughs> I've said this for a while. The Mole is the only show I would ever want to go on that we cover. I would be terrible at it. I would be out super early. But I would still want to give it a go. Obviously. <laughs> So in each of their cars is a big red button and a timer, and the clock will be set for one minute on their screen and will count down. If no one presses their button, all 11 can board the plane, and they will begin the season with a pot of €5,000. However, if just one person presses it, someone will get left behind and no money gets earned. And in that case, the first five people to press their buttons will be guaranteed a spot, and the other six must compete to not be left behind. And you can see exactly where this is going to go, even without Kathy in the cast. So we begin the episode for real by meeting everyone and seeing clips from their auditions. Marcena says that if you're eliminated first, you're a loser. Sam would be so pissed off to be eliminated first. Annalise would be in disbelief. Davy said it wouldn't be cool. Eileen said it would be like having a chocolate bar, but you can only eat a crumb. And that would be hard because she loves chocolate. Booba says there's worse things in life than going home first. Which is an interesting quote from him, given that, you know, he doesn't last long. Uh, Bertrand <laughs> says he would give his everything so he thinks he can get far. And Hans says that he'd want to stay as long as possible as either winner, loser, or mole. And then everyone debates with themselves what to do. Booba says if he pushes it, he's selfish. Marcena says she'd feel so bad if she couldn't go. And then to help make their decision, they can each speak with the candidate in the car next to theirs. So Marcena and Yolene kiss. <laughs> That's the first and... <laughs> of the BMWs. Yeah. They make Marcena out. And... Yeah, Marcelo and Yolene kiss, and it is so hot. Oh. <laughs> Can you tell I'm sleep deprived? Bertrand, Adelise, and Booba cram into a car. Jess and Hans hug. Eileen and Davy stare each other out, and Sam and Robin don't even get shown greeting each other. And Davy asks what Eileen will do. She says she's pushing the button. Hans wants everyone to fly, and Annalise was ready to push it, but then she thought no. And then Hans and Jess agree to not push the button. 
Helene reminds David that there's a mole here who will definitely push it, and so will other people. And as soon as the timer starts counting down, Davy, Marsena, Yolene, Robin, Sam, and Helene push. The other five don't know that anyone's pushed and try to convince everyone not to. And this, of course, means they earn nothing for the challenge. Who was the slow one out of the six? That would have been... Eileen. So the first five to push, Davy, who is a 28-year-old carpenter slash boy tie of Logan slash hipster fair play, Marsena, a 28-year-old sales manager, Yolene, 35, and it works in HR, Robin, a 43-year-old lab technician, and Sam, a 24-year-old BMW showroom consultant, all have their lights turned on and can get their suitcases from the boot of the car. I thought Sam was a police inspector. We'll get to that in a minute. Sam's job isn't shown on screen, and Aline was too slow to push the button. And something very interesting about this, and Sam's job in particular, is the fact they specifically say he works for BMW, and that is because BMW is one of the headline sponsors of this season. Otherwise, they would just say he's just a showroom salesman, right? Yeah, yeah, 100%. But because BMW are sponsoring the cars of this season from this season onwards, they do mention BMW a few times in this season just to to remind everyone that Sam works for them. I'm not sure Sam still works for them, but he did work for them at the time. Everyone's going to go up to him and be like, oh, you're that BMW salesman. Oh no, I actually work for uh, I work for Chrysler now. <laughs> and, it's, and then it's like, well, I guess you're not going on All-Stars then. And the five who didn't push begin to realise that everyone else is selfish. Jess says she's so stupid, and Bertrand says humanity sucks, everyone's selfish. Yeah. And Booba calls them all bastards. He takes it particularly hard. Yeah, shame on you. Yep, and Annalise invokes the South Africa trope of trust nobody, but in Dutch this time. And we get the biggest 2019 throwback, people allowed to sit together on airplanes. I was going to say people being allowed to travel. Yes, and not have to wear a mask, and getting excited to travel and be together in groups of people outside of their social circle. God, I miss travel. I'm like, man, just the things we take for granted, eh? I'm not going to lie, when we recorded Argentina and we started making jokes about how how inconvenient coronavirus was, I was hoping that we wouldn't have to do that on South Africa again, but yeah. Here we are like, what, four months since we recorded the Argentina season? Yeah, we finished recording the Argentina season about the 30th of April, I think. So almost, almost four months later, and people thought, eh, restrictions are going to ease by now. Nope. Yeah, about that. <laughs> Now it's been like over six months since I've seen my girlfriend. <laughs> and all you've had is Davy for company. I don't think Belgium's allowing anybody in as far as I know. Davy certainly isn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I would say that this challenge is a very interesting way to do what they did at the start of Argentina, which is split the group into two immediately, but in a different way. Because instead of asking them the question, do you want to be the mole? It's, are you a selfish bastard? Yeah. Are you a selfish mofo? If so, please press this button. <laughs> and it's been that long since I've seen this premiere that my next note was just, there is no way they flew to South Africa on that little plane. I had that too. I had, I had that, like, that propeller plane will not make it to Cape Town. I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> now, that's the sort of plane you fly on between maybe Joburg and uh, Cape Town. Yeah. You, you would 100% not get from Antwerp all the way to Cape Town on that plane. Were you on a propeller plane from between Joburg and Cape Town? No, because we flew from... We're getting into my South Africa stories, are we? We flew from Port Elizabeth to Joburg and on the way back. And I think it was it was just a little plane, it wasn't a propeller one. 
I don't think. Because I think I would have been far more nervous about flying on it if it was a propeller plane. Yeah, because between Joburg and Cape Town, uh, it was definitely a big, proper jet. I'm pretty sure the Vidim South Africa season flew between Joburg and Cape Town on a propeller plane. That was kind of the reference. Um, mm. But as as we well know, there's no way they could get from Antwerp to Cape Town anyway via one direct flight. As we find out, they did actually go via London, so that means that they flew in the sponsor plane to London, and then all the way down, probably on the BA1 that I did. So the five who boarded, toast to flying to South Africa, but Davy doesn't join them as he feels guilty. And in the second part of the challenge, jobs will flash up on the screens of the six still in the hangar, they have to press their button when they see the job that they think the last person to board the plane does. If they're right and they're first, they board. The people who win each round will board, the last person will be left behind. And Sam was the last person to board. Hans pushes on police inspector, Jess pushes on marketing manager for Delhazy, Annalise and Boober both push on PE students, and Bertrand pushes on BMW showroom consultants, and Aline pushes on humanities student. The jobs shown are actually the ones of the people left in the cars, so getting to know people in the five minutes of discussion is actually useful here. Bertrand was the only person to get Sam right, so he boards next, and he's a 31-year-old marketing manager. Who thinks Sam is a 24-year-old police inspector? Well, Eileen, it turns out, is a 24-year-old police inspector, so... <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute, but I'd forgotten how young Eileen is. Eileen looks far older than 24. I'm not going to repeat those words. <laughs> I know I started off the Argentina season by saying, God, Papa Bear looks young. And I'm going for Eileen this time. God, Eileen is, is, looks older than she is. I think it's because, too, I mean, Eileen's got a much more a much more mature and responsible job. And then you have Sam, who looks a lot younger than he is. He looks younger than 24. So I have Sam and Aline both claim they're 24, but all the other contestants are like, okay, which one of you is lying? (laughs) Yeah, Sam looks like he has just come out of school, let's be honest. Because he is quite small anyway. I know we're both quite tall, but Sam is pretty short. It's funny that Aline's the 24-year-old police inspector... And then Sam is the 24-year-old ditch vaulting champion. (laughs) So yeah, Bertrand was the only one to get Sam right, so he boards next. He's a 31-year-old marketing manager. Jess pushes the marketing manager. Boober and Hans push on the police inspector, because they're obsessed with police inspectors, evidently. Hans certainly is. Uh, Annalise pushes on PE student, and Aline pushes on RE teacher. Jess is the only one to get it right. She's a 24-year-old PE student. All four press that she's the PE student. Hands knew it, but everyone got it right. And Aline was the fastest. And as we've already said, she's a 24-year-old, allegedly, police inspector. Hans thinks she's the humanities student. Annalise says she's the police inspector. And Boober says she's the RE teacher. And Annalise is correct. She is the RE teacher and she's 58. Both say she's an RE teacher, but Boober is faster, which leaves Hans behind. And Boober is the 19-year-old humanities student. And Hans is driven out the hangar. I like how no one... Did anyone guess that Jessica is a police inspector? No, everyone pressed that she's a PE student. Yeah, I like how that's the one where it's like, okay, might be police inspector, might be police inspector. The young blonde, not a police inspector. It's like, hmm, some casual sexism going on here. <laughs> the thing is, police inspectors have actually got to be memorable. So I think they, <laughs> I think they ruled her out quite quickly. <laughs> It's like, yeah, she's just one of many PE students. If Jess somehow hears this, I'm I'm going to apologise now, because we genuinely like you, we just don't think you're that memorable. 
And it's not like producers, editors didn't try. Like, she gets a few scenes in this episode, but it's definitely a case of uh, Anne from Arrested Development. Her? Yeah, in a season full of stars like this one again, there always has to be someone who's a bit forgettable, and sadly it's Jess. Well, I think about all the other contestants on the season, and they all have their share of big moments that are quite memorable. As we'll see by the end of this episode, Jessica doesn't have anything really that stands out as, say, like something that will happen to Bertrand later. Um, Sam's going to have a big moment in the second episode. Just everyone's going to have something, something to their name. And Jessica is the only one in this whole cast who won't. You could arguably it's two people who won't have anything to their name. Yeah, the the thing is, Jess is very nice. It's just that she doesn't make it. She doesn't make that big an impact. And also, because of how nervous she is about being the first boot, she then holds back a little bit. I think if she'd have survived the first episode, she probably would have made more of an impact just because she would have had a bit of self-confidence. Yes, confidence is a big thing. Timid about the first elimination probably didn't come off as strong. Like, if she started dropping F-bombs at everybody and pushing Bertrand into the lake at the at where they spend the first day... Or on the chain puzzle, start strangling Davy with the chain, and J- Davy would probably like it. Um, I'll take your word for that. You know, if if she did one of those things, we we would for sure remember Jessica. But she didn't strangle anybody. She didn't push anybody. She didn't swear at anybody. Um, maybe at her execution, if she started throwing the laptop at Jill's and everything that was in her bag, and just threw it across the lawn there before she got into the cab. You know, th- those would be those would be things to make a first boot memorable. For some reason, when it's down to Booba and Hans, they make the music really, really tragic. Like it sounded like a song that would be from the Schindler's List. Genuinely, what is your obsession with Booba? He just seems like a good guy. I think it's his unique eagerness when he's playing the 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 honesty, the innocence, and the fact that when he boards the plane. They get they play Jimi Hendrix's All Along the Watchtower as he boards the plane. Like that's pretty that's good that's going pretty out there for a contestant's theme song for the season. Yeah, I've I've always wondered because you do mention Boober a lot, and as much as I obviously like to take the piss out of the Davy thing, Boober is probably the contestant from this season you mentioned the most, and he doesn't make it wonderfully far. No, he doesn't. He does not I know he does. that's part of the charm with him. Yeah. So on the way to their accommodation, Jess and Robin both say they wouldn't be able to bungee jump even if it meant Hans returning, and Jill actually greets them face-to-face in Bontybok National Park and says it's a shame there aren't 11 people there, but that's your own fault. Because this season, Jill is going for Sassy Bitch as his, uh, as his MO. <laughs> Not, no more Papa Bear? Yeah, as we will find out in the, um, the uh, Ostrich Challenge especially, <laughs> Jill has some pent-up anger towards these people for some reason. <laughs> I'm not sure whether I'm going to be able to uh, to coin Sassy Bitch Jill DaCosta as his nickname, but... Just in South Africa, maybe. No, we're not going for that, because it will get bad to him. And I'll just get an email, probably just with the subject line, Sassy Bitch question mark of him. Can I go back to being Papa Bear? <laughs> well, I, I did say at the end of Greece that he might regret what we uh, replaced Papa Bear with. Sassy Bitch? It's not sassy. No, Saucy Bitch is what you call Davy. Sassy bitch is what we, <laughs> what I've now once called Gilles Costa. I didn't know that they all submit twenty songs for their for the mold playlist. That's a lot of songs. 
Yeah, they always do. Because it then allows them all to hide some hints in uh, in their choices. Uh, so there are some huts, but some of them have to sleep outside, and they decide that those who pushed a button can't sleep in a hut. But Yolene insists that this is the last time that they can use that against them. And apparently some of them have already got nicknames. Annalise is the mother, Marsena is the bitch, as she was a bit direct with Hans, and Davy is, of course, Logan's boyfriend. Although, the nickname I gave him at the time before I realised how much of a crush you had on him was Hipster Fairplay. Let's stick with Hipster Fairplay. Because he does look like a hipster version of Johnny Fairplay, which is great. And they wake up on day two for the first time in South Africa. On the trip, only one thing matters, and that is who the mole is. On the plane, they get mole books, including short biographies on each other, including Hans. And after breakfast, they get the first car ride and an introduction to the playlist that they've curated. And someone shows a song called Arrivederci Hans. And that is mean. <laughs> Do you think they had a planned song for each contestant? They have to have, but I would love to find out what Marsena's song was, for example. Marzena Marzena by Santana. Just get Santana to record a cover. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he doesn't really sing that much in the... Well, it's actually the Project G&B who sing the vocals in that song. But it wouldn't be that hard. Just get him on speed dial. <laughs> yeah. They have the budget. <laughs> Project G&B only had the one hit. I don't think they're doing anything else at the moment. <laughs> Just get him on cameo. <laughs> yeah. So, Zeal meets them near Drakenstein Jail, where Nelson Mandela was in prison for 27 years. He was actually released from there, having spent 14 months of his sentence in a house on the compound. And for the second challenge, they're honouring him with a pilgrimage. It's not 27 years long, but 27 kilometres long. And they have to pick the two best runners, Robin, Bertrand and Davy, all volunteer. And Robin gets into a pissing match with Davy and asks how often he runs. Which is ironic, because Davy just pissed in the lake the day before. Yeah, and it's ironic given that from our experience, we know he gets more exercise than two or three times a week. I promise the rest of the episodes aren't all Davy jokes. Just this one is. <laughs> As I said to friend of the podcast Bindles when I was watching this episode, Logan's going to hate me after the first episode because there are a lot of Davy jokes in this one. So they decided to pick Bertrand and Robin. They have to run the 27 kilometers to earn 5,000 euros for the pots. The others can switch out with them if they complete a mini challenge. Those mini-challenges are determined by Mandela quotes. There are four quotes, and they are vaguely hinting at the challenges. Is that really Is that really how they were determined? Because I remember the Mandela quotes determining something else. No, that is how they were, they were determined. Okay, well, that, that's... I guess uh, the quotes had some sort of Mandela effect on me. Why, what did you think that they, they did? I, I just thought it was something else, but I guess I remembered wrong. Yeah, so they each pair picked a Mandela quote, and that determined their mini-challenge. Um, so there are four quotes, and they're vaguely hinting at the challenges. Each duo can replace another on the run only once, and they decide to pair up the best runners just in case they complete a challenge. And they have three and a half hours, and each duo that crosses the finish line, either by running or being driven in the sport van, earns them a thousand euros. Those who complete their mini challenge will gather in a van and can only leave once, and have to determine themselves when that is. Boober and Sam have to balance on two slat lines and reach a mark on the other side, and they can only help each other if they're on the slat lines, which get further and further apart. Marsena and Yolene must pack everyone's luggage into ten rucksacks and take 30 kilos of items out. Anything that they remove will not be returned during the trip. Jess and Davy are handcuffed, which is something that Logan's never seen before, and their chains intertwine, and they have to free themselves to be able to reach the van. And Elene and Annalise have to take it in turns to run up a hill that is 50 metres long to a pole with cards on it, each card's got two trivia questions, and they have to ask one of the questions to the other person. And they need to get six correct answers in a row to be able to run down. 
And to be honest, there's not a lot to say about these video challenges. Just that Davy and Jessica just could not figure out the last part of the kinky chains. Now Jess and Davy get themselves all tangled up. They get into some awkward positions too. Booba and Sam have a bit of trouble because Booba's about twice as tall as Sam, but they are the first to complete their video challenge. And when we look at the repacking challenge, someone packs a blanket, Davy packs a lot of shirts. Bertrand packed two pairs of Converse. Marseille throws one out as it looks like diarrhea. <laughs> There's so much about this season, or the early part of this season, that I'd forgotten about. I had forgotten Marseille throwing out a pair of Bertrand's Converse because they are the colour of diarrhea. That's just poor taste, Bertrand. You have a poor fashion sense. And Booba half filled his suitcase with socks. And then Jessica had like ten blue bikinis in hers, I think. Yeah, and she won't need those. They should have just dumped out her whole bag, and <laughs> she only needed one change of clothes, I guess. And Aline keeps getting questions wrong because Annalise picks bad ones, and they get to a streak of four, and then Annalise falls over. She's not going to be able to run. No, that was a pretty big scrape on her knee. You don't like it when people, once you're about 45 and above, you don't want to be stumbling and tripping outdoors on a bunch of rocks. And I do wonder how they would have done this with 11 people. Would they have done a trio challenge? I think so. They would have just had a group of three. Yeah, it's the only way I can see them doing it. So the two teams that complete their challenge honk the horn and leave the other four behind, and that means they can now only earn 3,000 euros for the pots. And everyone else has to walk. <laughs> There's no car. Yeah, they all have a long walk to freedom. <laughs> Especially for the two people still in chains. Yeah. And on the way to meet up with the runners, Sam sticks his head out the window like a dog. <laughs> you wrote that in my notes, too. <laughs> you forget how young this cast is, with especially when Sam and Booba are a pair. I was trying so hard to make that the banner for this episode. It's not, because I couldn't get a good picture of it. But it did make me laugh a lot to see Sam stick his head out like a dog. The fresh, the fresh South African air. So after the first mountain, Bertrand is already struggling, despite apparently doing Spartacus runs. And this is going to be a recurring theme of Bertrand being made to look like an absolute moron constantly during this season. It is great. Maybe he was, he ran in Little Spartacus that's designed for like seven and eight year olds. I'd love it so much if if, if like the, this challenge is to get, o- get over this um, this really tall wall and it's like six foot and Bertrand just kind of climbs over it. <laughs> you have like a bunch of, and it's... And Bertrand runs against the seven and eight year olds in the little Spartacus race. <laughs> you just see him just push everyone out of the, out of the way. I'm a five time Spartacus champion. Move, bitch, get out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a silver medal Olympian. But it gets worse for him because they end up having to split up and Bertrand gets cramp. And when the van finally catches up with them, Robin says to them, But Bertrand is either a has been or the mole. Yeah. And I think we know which one it is. And he just, I like how, how Robin's like, yep, Bertrand's coming. Bertrand's coming. There he is. He's here somewhere. <laughs> I lost my glasses back there, guys. So they switch after 111 minutes, having run nearly 15 kilometers of the 27, and Boober and Sam are sent out in their place. They pick up the pace, but Sam struggles with the higher tempo, and Robin says that they're going to run until Sam collapses. Even though Sam's a jogger, that was his hobby, is jogging. He could just jog at a really slow pace. 
Yeah, Sam doesn't come out of this challenge very well either, but he does kind of redeem himself later on. It's kind of funny how you have Sam and Bertrand who build themselves up as being the big, having the biggest running backgrounds, but when push comes to run, they're, they're, they, they're the failures in each of their pairings. And Sam is exhausted after only seven kilometers, so they switch out with Yolene and Marsena, who have 47 minutes to run just under five kilometers. And almost immediately, Yolene cramps. So Marsena asks what you do if your stomach is cramping, and Booba suggests the utter placebo, which is holding your thumb. And if that doesn't work, hold both thumbs. Yeah. And when she still refuses to run, Booba gets the driver to honk their horn. <laughs> because there's nothing more relaxing when you're trying to focus on doing a run than some 19-year-old moron behind you honking the horn constantly. Oh, don't you just love it when teenagers get frustrated and yell at you? Oh, all the time. <laughs> How many teenagers have there been on the Mobility? Is Booba the only one? That's the thing. Booba is by far the youngest person this season, but I, other than Alina, I don't think there has been another 18, 19-year-old, and I'm probably wrong on that. Isn't Alina, wasn't Alina 20 on Greece? Yeah, she was, actually. Yeah, I think she was 20. I think Booba's the only teenager they've actually had. There's been a lot of, like, 20, 21, 22-year-olds, but I think Booba's the only one who's, who was actually qualified as a teenager. Yeah, you spot him. He is. Booba is the only one. Makes you wonder what casting thought, like, hmm, like, they, they never said to teenagers before or since then, so what made Booba, what made Booba be the only one who's, who's gotten that call in, in all five seasons? I'm not sure, because, honestly, Booba didn't make that much of an impact on me during his time on this season. I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. Yeah, I'm curious what, yeah, I'm curious if production just want to take a chance on, like, a really young contestant. Especially when you compare him to other people in the season. Like, if you compare him to Davy or Annalise, or even Bertrand, there's not actually that much that I remember of Booba from this season. I guess the main thing maybe they saw in Booba is how, how principled he is, how he refused to press the button. How many 19-year-olds would do that challenge who are competitive and be feel really strongly that they should not press that button and be selfish? Oh, I'm saying this right now. I would have pushed the button 100%. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, how many, how many younger contestants would have said, no, no way I'm pushing the button? As a selfish 27-year-old... I would have pushed that button. <laughs> As a selfish 24-year-old at the time of watching this season, I would have pushed the button. <laughs> See, that's what I mean. I think Booba has a stronger personality than most 19-year-olds you would cast for the show. He has a lot, and a lot of energy. Yeah, there's a reason that you cast someone like Booba. And there's probably a reason why you don't cast a 19-year-old again. I'm just saying that if I was in his position, I would be selfish because it guarantees you a spot on the plane. Mm-hmm. And the fact he didn't seem in, like, when you look at the group, Booba wasn't really intimidated by everyone else who's much older than him. So maybe that contributed to his casting, too. He's willing to honk the horn at people who are, like, ten years older than him. True. So the four left behind are waiting at the finish line with Jill, and they complete the challenge with three minutes left and earn 3,000 euros of possible 5,000 for the challenge. And after the challenge, they all pose with Mandela's statue outside the jail... And for some reason, Yolene seems to be holding her fist horizontally. Maybe she was doing the Superman salute instead of the Black Power salute. Well, it's, it's either that, or she was playing a game where she's hidden something in one of her hands and then kind of swapped them between behind her back and then gone, guess which hand it's in? 
like from the office, up chickens, down chickens. One is a key, the other is empty. And I don't know whether this was sponsored or not, but all five girls seem to be wearing exactly the same trainers. Maybe they went shopping and they all thought it was totally awesome. Yeah, I don't know whether Decathlon provided the trainers or something. Maybe BMW got into a new line of business? We know that Decathlon sponsored at least part of the season because of the uh, the Lantern Rouge challenge in a few weeks, but I'm not sure whether they also provided the trainers. Someone must have provided the trainers because they are all wearing the same ones at Mandela Statue. And in our banner for the week, obviously, Davey does a model pose. When he just glances off to the side. <laughs> yeah, which I had completely forgotten ever happened and made me laugh a lot. He has a future. Yeah. And at the hotel, everyone finds out what was left in their bags. Sam says it's so warm, but they left him a thick sweater, and they threw out his sweets. Aline is happy that there's a hair straightener, and there's an irony in that about half of Sam's scenes from now on feature him in a sweater or winter clothes of some description. Is it just me, or is this getting really hot in here during this execution? Despite the fact that they filmed in basically the height of summer in South Africa, Sam genuinely wears a lot of those sweaters and it's very fun to watch from now on. Does he wear a sweater with shorts? No, he, whenever there's an execution, Sam will always be wearing a thick winter sweater of some description now, because it's freezing. So, Booba says it's easy to lose a quiz challenge, and Sam says police inspectors should be knowledgeable, so that is suspicious. Sam put his hobby as jogging in the biography, which Robin noticed, and that's interesting how quickly he flopped on the run. Yolene says Jess is friendly, but that could be mauling. She was their number one choice to replace the runners. And Annalise says Davey put a bit too much effort into running in the first place. And if the running fails, they earn no money regardless. And Robin says Bertrand was suspicious, given how athletic he claimed he was. And they wake up on day three in Constancia. First time I can say this. Been there. And Sam is achy and Annalise has a hangover. And this afternoon they will head to Cape Town for the very first time. Did you know how exhausted they all look at the start of day three? I'm not surprised, given that that's not a short flight to South Africa. I can't remember where you came from to go to South Thailand. Africa. Thailand. Thailand. From London, it's about a 12-hour flight straight south from London, because I've done that flight before. Well, I didn't sleep at all on that flight. I was absolutely shattered by the time I got to Cape Town. So I'm not surprised. And then they immediately basically have to drive to the accommodation and wake up the next day and do a very physically active challenge. I'm not surprised they're exhausted. Yeah, for me, it was from, I had to fly from Chiang Mai to Bangkok to Addis Ababa in Ethiopia to Johannesburg. And I think my layover in Ethiopia was like four or five hours. And I got to tell you, Addis Ababa Airport, not a whole lot going on there. I think at the time, that was the longest, that was a, that was actually a really long day because I think my layover in Bangkok wasn't wasn't a short layover either. I think it was like the longest I had ever been in transit of from getting from point A to point B, I think ever. I think the, the record didn't get broken until I went from uh, Bulgaria to Philippines, I think, was the next one. I think that's the only one that's broken the record since then. But I remember just how exhausted I was when I got to Johannesburg. So these contestants are trying to figure out the mole as they're on that plane. And as soon as they get dropped off there, they're doing a very, very physical challenge. So, the afternoon of day three, they will head to Cape Town for the very first time, and Gilles meets them in a building and says he hopes no one is afraid of heights, at which point someone drops blindfolded from the window behind him. And he's looking for five people, and only five, who want to do the same thing. 
They choose Bertrand, Davy, Marsena, Sam and Yoli. Those five will be paired up with someone who doesn't want to do it and put on the roof blindfolded. All they've got to do to earn money is sit on a chair and let themselves fall. One chair will fall onto a mattress, and one will fall over the edge. And they have to fall at exactly the same time, and to determine who's on which chair, they will answer a question before going up. If they're right, the daredevil falls. If they're wrong, the scaredy cat does. If they fall at the same time, they will earn 500 euros per duo, and if everyone is successful, he will double it. You know how the challenge before was very physically demanding? This one, not so much. <laughs> yeah, this one, mentally demanding. You sit in a chair, and when I tell you to, you fall back in your chair. Stupid question, probably, would you do this? Yes, I would, because I love, I love the... The thing about me is I am absolutely terrified of heights, but I absolutely love the adrenaline rush and screaming at the top of my lungs whenever I do it. Like I went parasailing five years ago, five years ago. That was the very first thing I ever did that was heights related. I was terrified, but I loved it. And then I did my first ever roller coaster four years ago in Vegas. Again, terrified. We all, we've all seen that photo. I look absolutely terrified. I screamed the whole time. It's genuinely one of my favorite photos that has ever been taken of you. <laughs> and I, so I hate heights. But I love just the complete terror and how much adrenaline just gets injected into me whenever it happens. Honestly, I cannot wait for you to do the grease bungee jump. Oh yeah, we still got to do that. <laughs> I think we can. I can. I can go to Greece right now. Can you go to Greece right now? No, I think it's on our naughty list at the moment. Damn it! Could have done that in November. Yeah, I'll double check after we finish recording. But I think it's on our naughty list. Uh, so, the first duo is Aline and Yolene. Yolene is a daredevil, and their question is, which pageant Annalise won? Was it Miss Moto 1979 or Miss Bikini 1979? They choose Bikini, and on the roof they're put on a splitting platform so they don't know which seat they're going to. Aline gets put on the daredevil seats. They both fall and earn 500 euros. Sam and Annalise are up next. Sam is a daredevil, and their question is which item Robin would take to a desert island. And I'm hoping you have the same reaction that I do, because it's either a torch for the dark, or... Or? <laughs> do, do you remember what the other option is? No. Oh, face cream. Oh, face cream. <laughs> I do that have, have that in my notes. Because they even show the picture of him with the face cream. Yeah, so anyone who hasn't listened to our Amazing Race 28 recaps, there was a challenge which involved making face cream. There was a lot of things you could take out of context. I regularly do. One of the quotes is one of the contestants just going, Oh, face cream, thank you. And it makes us laugh every time. And I'd completely forgotten that Robin said he would take face cream to a desert island. So when this happened on the episode that I was watching, I just started absolutely pissing myself. Would he get face cream on a desert island? That depends if seaweed was um, was washing up, actually, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. To dirty the water. And they correctly say face cream, and then another 500 euros. Bertrand and Booba are next. Bertrand is officially their daredevil, but neither is too scared to jump. Their question is which candidate got to the Belgian Championships for canal jumping, or Fierlappen, as we uh, know from Amazing Race, Davy or Sam. They choose Sam and are correct, and they both fall together, so then 500 euros. The video clip makes me laugh every time. That pole was gigantic. The even better thing is the fact that I know you were just sat at home this morning um, wishing that it was Davy who was a champion pole handler. <laughs> <laughs> I've promised that that is one of the last Davy jokes this week. Um, <laughs> I just couldn't resist. 
And Jess is having doubts. Robin tries to convince her by saying if she doesn't, she'll cost him 3,000 euros. If you don't do this, we kill you. <laughs> Davy and Jess are fourth up. Davy is the daredevil and really doesn't want to do it. Uh, their question is whether Marsena likes to listen to classical music or country on a Saturday. They choose country and are correct. And we nearly get a hot for dumber from Jess. Both pluck up the courage and earn the group another 500 euros. And the last pair is Marsena and Robin. Marsena's a daredevil. Their question is whether Booba has a guinea pig or a black Labrador. They choose the Labrador because Marsena says having a guinea pig is a dumb pet. <laughs> and they are correct. It is a dumb pet. They both fall, earning 500 euros and the doubler giving them a first week total of 8,000 of a possible 15,000 euros. And Robin basically has a panic attack. Yeah, he was the closest to shitting himself out of all 10 players. Yeah, and I will say, Booba's dog is a certified good boy. That is a very good dog. And they take a group photo posing with Table Mountain to celebrate their victory. Table Mountain's so damn scenic. Yeah, it is. It's genuinely one of the only places I've ever been where you can't take a bad photo of it, I don't think. I agree. You, you you went to the top of it too, right? I was going to say, did you go to the top of it? Yeah, I went there with uh, Rudez, who may or may not be listening to this podcast. Yeah, it was really cool to go there. There's always, and of course, it's funny because they say, do not, do not hike up Table Mountain because you will get robbed. Please take, <laughs> please take, what is that, the funicular? No, it's a cable car. Cable car, yeah, cable car. Cable car because funicular, funicular stays on the ground. Cable car obviously doesn't. Yeah, so we yeah, they're like, yeah, you need to take the cable car, otherwise you're going to get robbed somewhere on that path, because hashtag South Africa. Although, the one upside of the coronavirus is the fact that the murder rate has absolutely plummeted in South Africa. Oh, really? Yeah, it's absolutely tanked, because they've been quite strict with the lockdown. I think they banned alcohol, or banned sales of alcohol. Um, I don't know whether they still have, hopefully they still haven't by the time this comes out, but as of the time of recording, they did ban alcohol, and... Um, because there's a curfew, nobody's going out and stabbing each other anymore. Yeah, it's a shame that was, like, when I was there in South Africa, I think I've told this story before about how two kids tried to rob me in Cape Town. <laughs> was that the place where they stole a Japanese map? Oh, yeah, that is. Yep, that, that's exactly what happened, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they took the Japanese map. It's like, okay, now you know your way around Osaka. <laughs> Big loss for me. And at dinner, Jill announces that it is time for the first test. 20 questions on the identity and actions of the mole. Whoever knows least will be the first person to leave. And Aline suspects Bertrand and Annalise. Bertrand says Annalise would be a really surprising mole. Robin thinks Booba is super cool and it's hard to believe he's only 19, but he's a bit mysterious. Booba says Davy is super likeable and is easy to trust. Davy says Marsena would be an ideal mole, but she's a bit stereotypical. Marsena says it could be Yolene, she's got balls. Yolene suspects Jessica as her actions are very deliberate. What? <laughs> Maybe she knows something we don't. They've gotten to know each other really well in these first three days. Because all the shots we see of them when they're in the tents or at the campground or wherever they're at, it's just, it's always constant shots of Jessica in her blue bikini. So we kind of missed out on that with uh, Jolene. Jolene. Jolien. Oh, not this again. Um, and Jessica suspects four people. And she's hoping that one of the four is right. And Booba would be disappointed to go home first. Bertrand says it wouldn't just be leaving the group and missing the experience, but being so duped. Being so deceived. And Davy says that the trip home would be very lonely. And Gilles says that after an interesting beginning in Antwerp, a heroic trip to the mountains and a jump into the unknown earlier today, it's now all about their suspicions. The search will end for one person tonight. If you get a green screen, you're safe. But the person with the red screen is going home. 
And it was a tie that evening, and it came down to time. And Booba, Sam, Marcena, and Bertrand all get green screens before it's Jessica who is first to go home. And it was all by volunteerism. Yep. She breaks down. It's fair to say she has one of the most emotional reactions to being executed ever. Is it number one? I don't th- I don't recall anybody being that just like shaken crushed. and cru- crushed. That's a good word. Just being that crushed and just sitting there crying and crying so much that it's contagious to where Davy's crying. A couple other people are crying too. And Davy looks just as crushed as Jessica is. Yeah, it was really interesting. Obviously, I knew that she went home first because I couldn't remember her. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, that was the same here. I'm like, well, that kind of spoils for me the exact order of who goes home <laughs> or who goes home first. It's really interesting watching her during the execution scene because she is shaking constantly during this execution. No matter whose name is getting typed in, she's really visibly nervous about it. And she very visibly wanted her name to be typed in as soon as possible, probably because she was going to collapse if it wasn't typed in by number five or number six. I've never seen anyone have that sort of a visceral reaction to the execution. I think for her own health and sanity, it was probably good that she went home first, because I couldn't imagine what she would be like, execution number two, execution number three, number four... I wonder if she'd, I I can't figure out if she would be calmer with each subsequent execution or be that much more nervous. I think it would have helped her if she'd survived an execution, but it probably was for the best that she didn't. But yeah, I've never seen that one just, I've never seen somebody that nervous, shaken, and really want her name to be typed in. And then when it was typed in, just a huge outpouring of emotion. Yeah. And now it is time for a Gilles de Costa surprise, as Hans's name was still in the quiz, and he's waiting in a car outside their accommodation, and even photobombed the Table Mountain photo. So, next week, Hans has a chance to return, there is singing in the glorious Social as a Challenge, more blindfolds, and lions. You mean Lion's Head? The landmark in Cape Town? They're going to go to Lion's Head? No, there's actual lions. <laughs> Ooh. In the Nature Park Escape Room Challenge. If only they had that during the running task, then uh, Bertrand probably would have ran faster. Running with lions. Never felt like such a mistake. They didn't say there'd be lions. I feel so deceived. (laughs) And given that we completely forgot to do it at the the end of all the Argentina episodes, after I say the goodbye, we are going to do a what did them all do, just to warn people now. So if you've seen the season already, keep listening, because we will briefly discuss what them all actually did. So, with that, thank you for listening to our first Demol Belgium recap of this season. We'll be back next week to continue the hunt for the mole in South Africa. Don't forget, you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, where we are, RTB Warriors, or you can email us at contact at rtbwarriors.com. Logan is on Twitter at logsuperquacky, and I'm MJ Hamstone. See you next week. Peace out, and just chill till the next of flavouring. I'm just going to step in here now. You've got about five seconds after I finish talking before we start discussing spoilers. See you next week. So, the first thing I remember that Aline actually did was she was always going to push the button. They always were going to have ten people go to South Africa, no matter what. Yeah, that kind of locks in that twist, eh? Otherwise, you'd have to really rework the first two episodes of the game. I remember her saying in the finale that she was always going to push the button. She was always told to push the button. 
which is fitting because uh, Kathy and Jill's in the previous seasons spent all eight episodes pushing other people's buttons. That is very true. Um, and the other thing I think she probably did was she blatantly threw the um, the Longbot's Freedom Challenge. Especially when you can't think of Teddy Bear for Teddy Roosevelt. There's a few questions in there, especially there was, I think there's some really simple Belgian-based questions that she didn't know. There was even a shout-out to our favourite bit, the Ardennes, where um, Gilles got hung off a bridge last season. Oh, that was one of the questions? Yeah, there was a question about the Ardennes. Mm. I can't think of anything else that she actually did. This is going to kind of warm up during the season, I think. Yeah, it's still substantial, because, I mean, there was really only the two challenges, right? And the second, the second challenge, they she couldn't really sabotage. I mean, well, I mean, I mean, she's. I guess she technically sabotaged two out of three. She pushed the button, and then she uh, threw the the trivia contest to make sure they didn't win a thousand euros. So that's a loss of six thousand euros right there. That's pretty good work for one episode, and only salvaged five hundred. <laughs> so you got anything else to say? Um, I guess just for a mold bit, one thing people should pay attention to is just how is cerebral the word I'm looking for to describe Aline? Calculating, I would say. Yes, she's a very under the, she's not a big personality in contrast to all of the other moles they've ever had. All the other moles have a big presence. She's the one that's kind of cerebral calculating, trying to not really get noticed. Nothing extravagant happens with her. Yes, something I I said during the Grease season was that they've never really cast a young female mole, and I completely forgot how young Aline is. She's really young. She's only 24, yeah. Yeah, she's far younger than you ever remember her being. And she's a really good mole, and a mole that, spoilers for later in the season, I didn't pick. Um, But she's a really good mole, but you never really notice her as one of the big characters of the season. What's funny, Michael, I think when I originally watched this season, I had Alina as one of my suspects right from the first episode. <laughs> yes, he did. Because <laughs> I'm like, if I was the mole, I'd be wanting to do a challenge that's really easy to throw and no one could really... I Actually, I think it's one of the first suspicions that they have in the confessionals right before the execution is where they say, hmm, trivia one, that's where I would want to be. Yeah, Sam's saying that. Yeah. Hence why he may go as far. Yeah. <laughs> 